Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. It is a Thursday edition of the show, a Thursday night episode with a lot to get into because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers finally have an offensive coordinator. That is correct. They have hired quarterbacks coach from the Seattle Seahawks, Dave Canellis to be their offensive coordinator. He will be the play caller for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this upcoming season in 2023. We're going to talk about his background, what he can bring to the Bucs offense, how he got here in the first place, and everything else in between. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is our intern. Eh, he's more than an intern at this point. He is a fellow Pewter reporter. Hey. It is Adam Slavon. Adam, where were you when Dave Canellis got hired as offensive coordinator of the Bucks? I was actually doing some homework, and then I look at my phone, and then I see all the all the notifications that he was hired, and just really exciting news. I know you guys were on the podcast last night. Yeah, it, it makes it a lot more fun when uh, breaking news goes on right in the middle of the show. It was funny, Scott and I, for a while, were running into breaking news occurring. Like, I remember they traded for Shaq Mason when Scott and I were on the show, and there's another time where um, they signed Keanu Neal as well, and that's just two examples right there. And This is when we were rotating a lot more, so it wasn't always Scott and I um, as it is now. But nonetheless, more breaking news last night, as we said. Dave Canellis, the new offensive coordinator, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I understand a lot of Bucs fans are like, who? Who is he? You got to understand, Bucs fans. You know, everyone wanted Todd Munkin. Everyone wanted Frank Reich before he signed with the Carolina Panthers. Realistically, in the situation that the Bucs are in, it was going to be tough to get the top guy off of the board. They were going to have to get a guy that is willing to believe himself and take a little bit of a gamble, given the situation that, the Bucs don't perform well. Todd Bowles might be out of a job bringing in a new coach. That probably means a new offensive coordinator again. So they found a guy that is confident enough in himself to bet on himself uh, to take the Bucs back to the playoffs with a new quarterback and a new uh, offensive scheme in place. So uh, just your initial thoughts, Adam, about the big move. Yeah, my initial thoughts, kind of what you said, like we weren't able, uh, the Bucs weren't able to get like a big fish in Munkin or uh, even Frank Reich, he ended up getting a head coaching job in the division. But of all the candidates that were left, I know the Bucs interviewed Montgomery. They interviewed Thomas Brown of the Rams. Dave Canellis, based on like his mic'd up inter- uh, YouTube videos, he brings a lot of energy. And that's really what the Bucs need is a young guy. He comes from the Seahawks where he was under Pete Carroll, not just with the Seahawks, but also at USC in 2009. Yep. Just being a young guy working under so many people, he's going to bring so many new concepts and just a completely new playbook kind of 
from each different coordinator that he's worked with. And so I, I like the hire. I think of all the remaining options, it's worth taking a shot and seeing what he can do and if he could really rise up and be an up-and-coming offensive coordinator. Right. That's the exact point, is no matter what, you're taking a shot on someone. So just a, a little bit of the background for Dave Canellis. He was coaching high school football, I believe JV, and then took a step up and was coaching at um, junior community college or JUCO schools, as uh, some people might know it. And that's where he actually first started meeting a couple of coaches on the USC Trojans coaching staff, most notably Steve Sarkeesian, who has been a pretty successful offensive coordinator uh, in college football and then became the head coach. I think he's at Texas right now, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and then he also met Pete Carroll. So Pete Carroll actually brought him along in 2009 to be the assistant strength and conditioning coach for USC. But as we all know, not long after, Coach Carroll went to the Seattle Seahawks. And we know the history with Seattle. They won a Super Bowl with Russell Wilson. They also, um, you know, had that crazy ending in the Super Bowl against Tom Brady and the Patriots where there's the interception at the end. But anyway, so Canellis was brought on with Coach Carroll and was a wide receivers coach from 2010 to 2017. Um, he then became the quarterback's coach for 2018 and 2019. After that, he was the passing game coordinator from 2020 and 2021. And then in 2022, he went back to being the quarterback's coach. Now, the cool thing is that he does have experience with wide receivers, and that obviously will help with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. But I think the main reason, the main bargaining chip as to why Canellis is the new play caller for the Bucks is how he can develop quarterbacks and help quarterbacks. And he worked with Russell Wilson a lot and was responsible for the last three Pro Bowls that Russell Wilson has made in his career. Canellis was with him either as um, the quarterback's coach or the um, at the passing game coordinator, excuse me. And then, of course, the biggest claim to fame now, reviving Geno Smith. Geno makes his first career Pro Bowl after failing with the Jets and bouncing around the league as a backup quarterback. He finally gets that opportunity after the big trade. That was the biggest storyline in the offseason was Russell Wilson gets traded to the Broncos. Who's going to be the guy? It's Geno. He throws for over 4,000 yards, had 30 touchdowns to just 11 interceptions and a 69.8 completion percentage on his passes. So completely revived Geno Smith. Talk about let Russ cook. He let Geno cook. And, um, you know, it wasn't just one guy that was able to fix Geno Smith, but he gets a lot of credit for what Geno was able to do. And now his next task is helping out either Kyle Trask or whoever else is going to be quarterback for the Bucs. I just want to say, with you being a Jets fan, Geno Smith and Pro Bowl do not belong in the same sentence. No, they don't. But, they don't. But the work that Canellis and the rest of the staff were able to do with the Seahawks this past season and really getting Geno Smith to be arguably a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. And it wasn't just Geno Smith that he worked with this past season. In the Russell Wilson trade, they had another second-round pick that they acquired in Drew Locke, a former second-rounder, a guy who had a lot of starting experience with the Broncos. And with him being a free agent, maybe that's a guy the Bucks look to bring in to work with Kyle Trask and maybe have two young sig signal callers to kind of develop. But he also was on the staff 
when Russell Wilson was drafted, I believe in 2012, as a yeah. third-round pick, he was coming in. He was drafted lower than Trask and Drew Locke. And what he was able to do and how he was able to develop, that's very encouraging. That's a fantastic point right there for real i mean i think people forget that russell wilson remember matt flynn was going to be the guy yeah. for the seattle seahawks he got that big contract from the packers because he, he played that one great game so that's a fantastic thing to bring up right there adam was that russell wilson was not a, a sure thing or a hot commodity by any means remember he played at nc state and he played at wisconsin and as you just said third wow it all gravitates back towards you whether it's flynn whether it's uh, russell wilson wisconsin but yeah, he was not the ideal pick at all. So yeah, he can work with uh, some of the older talent, the established Russell Wilson, but he was there from the beginning with the Russell Wilson and obviously got the same stuff for at a uh, Geno Smith as well. And, you know, completely different career path. But at the end of the day, it all came back to Seattle where, you know, Dave Canellis was, was helping them out. I want to talk a little bit more about the, the likelihood or the chances of, um, Drew Locke and or Geno Smith coming to Tampa Bay after uh, their stay in Seattle. But first, of course, got to remind everybody that the presenting sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast is Celsius Energy Drinks. And check out their new flavors. You got the fantasy vibe. It's like drinking a creamsicle. We know Bucks fans love creamsicles. And the sparkling lemon lime. I'm a huge fan of the sparkling lemon lime. Seven essential vitamins. Gets you that energy to get you through your day. So check out your local 7-Eleven or Bodega and get those new flavors. Celsius Energy Drinks, hashtag Celsius Live Fit. Uh, we have a lot of great comments in the chat. Want to try to get to as many as possible. Just a friendly reminder, if you do super chat us, we will allow you to cut the line. We'll make sure we get to your question or comment uh, before some of the other people. But we did see... Um, a lot of comments about, does this mean that Geno Smith is coming to the box? Does this mean that Drew Locke is going to be brought along? I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but let's just squash it right now. The likelihood of Geno Smith coming to the box, I'm not going to say a 0% chance, because as Justin Bieber once said, never say never, but the likelihood is not that high. For two reasons. One, there are still a lot of coaches, including Pete Carroll, that Geno Smith worked with in Seattle that are still with the Seahawks. I get that Dave Canellis is, uh, was a huge factor in Geno, but he wasn't the only factor. So you just revived your career. Why not get that payday with the team that you just had success with versus trying to start over again, new scheme, new players to work with? Seattle's going to give him a favorable deal. Like, obviously not one that's going to break the bank and be an all-time record for quarterbacks. But he's going to get a better payday with Seattle than I would imagine um, in, in a couple of other places. And two, I don't think Seattle's going to let him leave either. They're going to franchise tag him, worst-case scenario. Now, Drew Locke is a way more likelihood for him to come to the Bucks. You know, we've done podcasts. We've written stories about Baker Mayfield, Jacoby Brissett. We'll talk about some of those guys a, a little bit. Drew Locke, no one was talking about, and understandably so. I mean, at least Baker and Jacoby, they've been a starter. They've gotten those reps. Drew Locke hasn't really been the case. He had his opportunity with Denver, but it wasn't even close to, like, Baker Mayfield being the guy or Geno Smith in his situation. 
my initial reaction, Adam, and then I'll get your thoughts on it. My initial reaction was, yeah, Drew Locke, you know, what has he really done in the league that would entice you? And then you go, well, you can say the same thing about Geno Smith. And Dave Canellis was there to save the day with him. So if you would have told me yesterday at around 630, I'd be like, hell no. I don't want the Bucs to get Drew Locke. Now it's like, well, with Dave Canellis in the mix, anything is possible. Yeah, I just want to say with Geno Smith, it's probably going to be like the Bucks' offensive coordinator search. Like there will be a lot of big name quarterbacks out there. Will they want to come to Tampa Bay? Or in Geno Smith's case, will he want to play with Todd Bowles again? Did he have the best relationship with him in New York? That would be a big question. And not just with a Canales hire, would he be open to coming down to Tampa? But I think the Seahawks, worst case scenario, like you said, they would franchise tag him. I think reports have already come out. With the season that that, that he had, the Pro Bowl season, they'll at least extend him another year and see if he can replicate that before they look for other options because he still would have a few years left in him. Now for Drew Locke, that's a whole different case. He started off his career really well. He, in 2019, he went four and one and had seven touchdowns to three interceptions. And he looked to be an option heading into 2020, but it just didn't pan out in Denver. He struggled. He was inconsistent as a young quarterback. Eight and 13 career record, pretty even touchdown interception ratio. He's not going to really excite fans, but if the Bucs decide that they want competition with Trask, which which they should, they shouldn't just give him the spot. Drew Locke, he would be able to maybe be a shorter bridge option. He's not as established as Mayfield or Jacoby Brissett, right. but he still has potential to, to maybe reach that Geno level because we didn't really have a chance to see Drew Locke because Geno Smith played so well. Right, exactly. It's, you know, he kind of usurped him. And yeah, it was supposed to be a competition. And then Gino just really took the reins and and ran with it or threw with it um, in this situation. Ladies and gentlemen, join the show right now. We are lucky enough to talk to Josh Capo of PewterReport.com. Josh, thanks for joining the show. And please just give us your initial thoughts on Dave Canellis uh, becoming the new offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I am, I'm, I'm pretty, what's the word I'm looking for? Encouraged. I'm encouraged. Okay. I was going to say cautiously optimistic. Yeah. I, I, I was thinking that one, but yeah, I'm fairly encouraged. I think um, as, as I've done more research over the last, not even 24 hours since you and Bailey broke the news on the podcast last night. Um, no, I, I think that it, it could be a very good hire. I, I like that. Uh, Canales has, uh, he's been exposed to a couple of different systems Yes, um, that he's worked with wide receivers and, and he's obviously done some pretty good things with, with quarterbacks. Um, I think he's going to bring an adaptability. I can see why Bowles liked him. I think uh, looking at some, I was playing around with some uh, NFLR data and Seattle last year led the league in EPA per play on explosive rushes, which would be rushes of 10 yards or more. Um, They ranked, what was it, 16th overall with 47. But um, on those 47 rushes, they averaged 1.73 expected points added per rush, which led the NFL. Um, And I think that's something, Bucks fans aren't going to be surprised to hear this, uh, that Tampa Bay was 31st in uh, explosive rushes. Ahead of, I was surprised, Houston actually uh, came in behind them. 
and really? Tampa Bay. Yeah. Even yeah, with Damian Pierce. Yeah. Only only 25 explosive rushes. Now the difference is Houston got an extra well, Tampa Bay got 1.1 expected points added per uh per play on those explosive rushes. Houston was at 1.39. So Tampa Bay was like last by a wide margin. Um, so that I think is, is one of those underlying factors where you can see why Todd Bowles uh, was enamored by Canales is that he can, um, it, I think he's going to do some really good things with the, the run game without necessarily hampering the passing game absent the player changes, right? You know, the next quarterback's probably not going to be Tom Brady, even in what <laughs> many consider a very down Tom Brady year. So, um, but no, I, I'm very encouraged by the hire. I think it, it was I, I think I added in our text, our, our group chat last night that I think we were all sleeping on this guy a little too much. Yeah, I mean, listen, he's a coach of of a West Coast team. I'm not going to sit here and say I was like crazy familiar with him um, at the time. But, you know, you do your research, you watch some of the videos, too. Um, I, I think it's important because people want to know the person behind the coach. And sure. um, I'm going to play two videos in just a moment. Because I, I think the general consensus about him as as a person is um, he's a very upbeat and up-tempo type of coach. Uh, like He's the one that wants to run routes with the wide receivers. Yeah. <laughs> he wants to be running the routes when the quarterbacks that he's working with are throwing to him. You'll see in some pictures and videos. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's wearing two gloves and you know going out there making catches. Um, he's also very dedicated to his faith. He's uh, He's very religious and there's a separate video with Tony Dungy where um, they just have a sit down interview. He talks about his, his overall faith, uh, personal issues that he's had in his own life and how he's been able to really identify them and then kind of get back on track. And I thought that was really eye opening. He was being real, being like, yeah, I was in a rough spot. Uh, I'm not going to give it all away. You can check it out if you want to, but I'm going to play two videos in a row. It's Canales working with the wide receivers and then working with the uh, the quarterbacks, just kind of how he is as a coach. He was mic'd up for a couple of Seahawks practices. And uh, enjoy the video. I'm in. I've been working out all summer for this. How you feel? Oh, great. How you doing, Doc? You good? Let's go to work, baby. My favorite stretch. Let's go. It's time to go. Let's go. Let's go. Go, baby, go. Come on, Ty. Work. Work. All right, switch it, switch it. Make your hips off balance a little bit or whatever it is, you know, you fix it. Come on, play football. It comes back to you, we pin them, we're out the gate. Or you're a little sharp. That's going to be the rest of your career. You're going to be trying to get that extra one or two yards. Out of lesson now. On down. Go, baby, go. Come on, stack them. Go, B-Shop. Go, B-Fox. Stack them right there, right there. Hey, P. Rich. Hey, we'll, we'll do a drill for that tomorrow. We'll do a drill for that one. Yeah, we did it with bags. I got to do a drill with arms. Come to balance. Pull through. Both hands up. Both hands up. Both hands up. Right there. Good job, Doug. Those wideouts, man. It's a fantastic job. So glad to have you around. Yeah, all those all those hours we spent at SD together. I know you're just paying off right now. Yeah, when you were teaching me all those things with Rojo. And uh, here's him working with uh, quarterbacks, Russell Wilson, most notably. 
Okay. Hey, I'm mic'd up. I'm mic'd up. I'm mic'd up. Buff right B chat. Big toss right, naked left. Watch like. Oh, it's man to man. We love it. We're working. We're working. There you go. Everybody's touching him. Everybody in the program has hands. Great pitch. Don't break the chain. Let's go. Face mask to free safety. There you go. Game rep. Game rep. Bam. Great ball. Good, good. Good feet. Good pass set finish. Window. Window. Trust your eyes. Huh? There it is. Money maker. Nice grab, Trey. Bam. Right there. Hey, one step. One step. One step. Quick, but don't hurry. When he starts working, it's like he just stays in his base, you know? Because sometimes you kind of get tall, and then you're like, ah! Eyes middle. Great reset and fine. Bam, touchdown. Little movement, little movement, good. That's all right. Got him at the tape. Great finish, three. Assess early, right? Oh, nice six. Way to drive the six. Hey, don't get tired of that deep stick. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. Good job, good job. Thinking frat, right? Thinking front, alert taxi. You see the corner overlap? We went, we went Aggie Hugo. Donuts! All right, here we go, take a look. Here we go, three, there. Good job. Here are your feet, okay? You step here, you're cutting him off from his front door, okay? A starting corner would have picked that and went 60 yards that way, okay? You can't flip fields unless it's a true progression read, you know? Reset the mind, reset the mind. There you go, reset. Hey, still fingers here, right? Still fingers here. Oh, let's throw that one again, six. One, two, three. One more. Finish time, baby. right away from the video very upbeat super positive i love when he's running around with the guys you saw the double gloves in the second video he was um he was really ready to um ready to get after it and with that we have a super chat right as we get started we have a super chat from buck's basement thank you buck's basement for the five dollar super chat buck's basement says all for rooting for the guy, but let's be real. This job is solely to put on the application. This guy alongside Bulls will be gone after the season. You know, it's interesting. We did talk about that a little bit once the news broke, that some guys may look at this as a stepping stone. And you know what? There's probably a degree of truth to that. I'm sure eventually um, Dave Canales' goal is to be a head coach. But eventually, you have to get play-calling experience somewhere. I think Scott Reynolds said it best in, in one of his articles earlier today. You know, there was a time when Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel, they had never called plays before. And then someone gave them an opportunity, and they started calling the plays. If you're saying that you don't really have a belief in, in Todd Bowles, that's, I mean, fine. I'm not going to argue with you. Uh, that's That's your thought process. But... You were going to have to take a chance on someone, and they landed on Canellis. And uh, Josh, I want to ask you as well because you made some great comparisons that, and Adam, we were talking about it before. Yes, he's only worked with Pete Carroll, but a number of the coordinators and assistants that he's worked with, he's got a little bit of Andy Reid. He's got a little bit of Sean McVay, just with the number of guys that he's been able to really pick the brain of. Yeah. Um, so. You talk about the coaching trees. So most yes. recently, uh, last year, he operated under Shane Waldron, who was the offensive court is the offensive coordinator for the Seahawks. Waldron came from uh, Los Angeles with Sean McVay. So that's 
you could say, you know, the father, you know, was was McVeigh and the grandfather would be the Shanahan tree. Yeah, yeah. came from <laughs> Shanahan. Um, he spent most of his career coming up in, in with Pete Carroll under Daryl Bevel. Um, yeah. So uh, some people may know Bevel because uh, he seems to be the he seems to always be in the wrong place at the wrong time where he ends up with interim head coaching jobs. So um, he was the offensive coordinator in Detroit the year Matt Patricia got fired. So he got to be interim head coach for that season. Uh, the Bucks ended up facing his team, but he was not able to coach that game because that was the one where the Lions entire coaching staff ended up out with COVID. Um, and then uh, two years ago, he was the offensive coordinator in Jacksonville under Urban Meyer after Meyer got um, toast. But Bevel, he came up under Brad Childress in Minnesota and Brad, Brad Childress was an Andy Reid disciple. So again, you've got the two probably best offensive systems in the NFL, um, the Shanahan system and the Reed system. He's got experience under both. So again, you're looking for the process that the Bucks went through. Well, you've got a guy who's been exposed to the two most successful offenses in the NFL and has worked with them. You've got a guy who as his time as quarterbacks coach, he's gotten the most out of the quarterbacks that he's been able to work with. Um, he's done pretty well with wide receivers throughout his career when he was a wide receivers coach. There's a lot to like about his resume. Does that mean he's a slam dunk? No, but he, he's got a lot of good things going for him. Um, the one thing that's just a complete unknown right now is how well will he be able to script and call a game on Sunday? And that, that's what the preseason is for. He'll definitely sure. get his reps there. We actually have some more breaking news on tonight's show, oh. ladies and gentlemen. Um, Greg Allman tweeted something. John Boyle tweeted uh, this as well. I don't know who was first, but I'm just looking at one at the moment. Um, apparently, the Seahawks general manager, John Schneider, has said that assistant wide receivers coach Brad Itzik is going to Tampa Bay and will be the wide receivers coach for the Buccaneers. So obviously a great opportunity for Itzik. You get to work with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, maybe Russell Gage, not totally sure just yet. Um, that's a little bit of breaking news for the Bucks fans right now. Saw uh, some people in the chat with it as well. And, you know, we kind of expected that when whoever is going to be the offensive coordinator, it's now Dave Canellis you figured that they were going to bring in some of their own guys. You know, Todd Bowles is a defensive-minded head coach. Therefore, he's going to let the offensive coordinator kind of do what he wants to do. And, Adam, you kind of brought up a, a good point before the show, talking about bringing guys in. Because a lot of people want to know as well, obviously, what he's going to do helping the quarterbacks and what he's going to be like. But, you know, a lot of people, as Richard says here, Will he revive our run game? They want to know what he's going to do in the run game. And if they cut Leonard Fournette, they're going to have to bring in another running back. And you're talking about bringing in a, a former Seattle Seahawk that, you know, could fit with the Bucs now, given their new offensive coordinator. Is there enough room in the for the Bucs to have two Rashads? Maybe they bring in uh, Rashad Penny as a former Seahawk running back. He's going to be a free agent this year. With the emergence of Kenneth Walker, the rookie, he had a 1,000-yard season. He averaged 4.5 yards per carry. After he took over, I believe in week six, you never heard of Rashad Penny because he was injured, but he had a really solid start to the season. 
In week four against the Detroit Lions in a shootout, it was 48 to 45. He had 151 rushing yards and two touchdowns. He averaged over six yards per carry. He could be a guy that Canellis believes in, and he could be a great compliment. He's more of a power back, and the Bucs could look at signing him maybe on a bounce back deal, a one-year deal, because that's probably what they'll have to do with a lot of yeah. free agents that they that they go after. Especially at the running back position, uh, without question, going to be a one-year deal if it's a veteran like Penny, especially someone coming off an injury, too. And, Josh, I guess I'll ask you. I mean, you're talking about the run game a little bit, but, I mean, do you see a big improvement coming just with the way – I and I know he's the quarterback's – he was the quarterback's coach in Seattle, but what can he really do – to improve this Bucks running game? Is it is it merely just more creativity and throwing on first down to set up the run on second down? I, I know Scott had an article before, but curious to get your thoughts. Yeah, I think that's some of it. I think if, and this is where he's kind of a real wild card is, you know, he was the passing game coordinator in, in 2020, 2021. Yes. He's only spent one year with Waldron, but from the people that I've tried to reach out to, it seems he's probably going to take his heavy influences from this past year. And if that's the case coming from Waldron, from McVeigh, from Shanahan, you're going to see more wide zones. You're going to see the Bucks try to spread things out and they'll probably go for, you know, they'll look at more athletic linemen overall um, to get out in space and, and create more room for running backs to um, kind of pick their holes and find, feel the, the defense out and find room to run which not for nothing is I think where Rashad White probably works best. And uh, I think if you go back to his Arizona State tape, um, that was when most of his explosive runs came out of wide zone sets. So if that's the case, then I think that's the way the run game is going to go. And, you know, honestly, just there's there's not a lot of room to go down from where the Bucks run game was last year. Um, so I, I do think that there's going to be improvements there. Um, but that's the kind of the wild card is where where will he draw his experience from? I think Todd Bowles was looking for somebody who could be adaptable after last year with Byron Leftwich, who just really was kind of a square peg round hole guy. He was going to keep doing what he was doing. He was going to keep running the offense that he knew there wasn't a ton of variation. And I think that's probably something that Bowles saw in, at the very least, Canellis's resume and probably what he said in his interview that he'll be able to adapt to his personnel to create, yeah. you know, success. Um, the one thing I just wanted to say about Idzik um, and him being hired as the wide receivers coach, I do think it's interesting. It's not surprising that they're letting Canellis bring his own staff or hire his own staff. But mm. um, I know the Bucks have been pretty high on Kevin Garver, who was the, I think I got his name right, the assistant wide receivers coach. No, um, um, sorry. Kevin Garver. Garver was the wide receivers, wide receivers coach. coach. That's right. Uh, Thad Lewis. Is who Thad Lewis. That's about. who it was. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, so they were pretty high on Thad Lewis, and, and he was not let go as part of almost the entire offensive staff um, being let go. Um, so in my mind, I thought that there was probably going to be some type of conversation with the incoming offensive coordinator. This guy's really good. We really like him. We'd like to maybe even move him into the full wide receivers coach, and that didn't happen. So, um, yes, interesting that, note there. That is a very good. That's a very good observation. What does happen to Thad Lewis now? Does he just stay as an assistant wide receivers coach? Um, I don't think he would absolutely love that, but you might not have a a choice at the same time. And you know that was one of the the coordinators that Todd Bowles was probably 
a big fan of. I mean, we talked about him potentially calling the plays if they were going to let go Byron Leftwich during the middle of the season, but that obviously did not happen. Um, just to get back to the run one, game a little bit. One real quick yeah, thing just to finish up on Thad Lewis. He is a former quarterback, yeah. and maybe Canellis sees some type of – Canellis went from a wide receivers coach to a quarterback's coach. Maybe that's in the future for Thad Lewis. Very true. I mean, yeah, that's an excellent, excellent observation. Again, if Canellis can move around, other coaches can. Uh, I'm just going to lead a, read a little excerpt from uh, Scott Reynolds' latest article talking about how Canellis specifically can improve the run game. Uh, from 2018 to 2022, the Seahawks ranked second, third, 17th, 27th, and 22nd in the league in rushing attempts. In those five years, they ranked first in rushing, fourth, 12th, 11th, and uh, 18th uh, with uh, 2,042 yards in 2022. Yet Seattle always ranked in the top 10 in yards per carry, regardless of how many attempts they had or how many yards they rushed for. Seahawks averaged 4.8, 4.6, 4.8, 5, and 4.8 last season. Uh, That was seventh best uh, last year. No matter how many times the Seahawks ran the ball over the past five years, they averaged a healthy 4.8. The Bucs clocked in at 3.4. This year, and really, even with Bruce Arians, they've never had a great rushing game, especially with rushing uh, yards per attempt. Reynolds goes on to say, uh, Bowles, Todd Bowles wants a more balanced attack and a more successful run game in 2023. Canales will bring a pass-first approach. I know we're all looking for that. A pass-first approach, but will do a far better job of marrying in the ground game to produce a more efficient yards per carry average. Perhaps the Bucks will finally have a rushing attack after all with Canales calling the plays in 2023. So Josh, kind of what you were just saying before working with the, you know, the talent around him, what they have going on, not asking players to do what they're not capable of, which is what Byron Leftwich fell into uh, an often amount of time. So yeah, definitely think yeah. Canales will get the best out of his players. Josh looks like yeah. you want to say something. Uh, I was just going to say last year, Seattle ranked 11th in the NFL in EPA per pass. Um, and with a positive 0.0646, they were 21st in EPA per rush. Um, it was negative 0.0734. That fell off towards the end of the season as, as running backs kind of, or I'm sorry, injuries kind of hit their running back room. Um, and just to kind of give Bucks fans a little bit of perspective, uh, where Seattle was 11th in EPA per pass, the Bucks were 15th, so they were actually more efficient passing the ball than the Bucks were. And uh, and from that 20, I know 21st doesn't sound great on EPA per rush, but it would be a huge jump up from the Bucks um, 31st, and we yeah. get them about an extra 0.13 points per play um, versus where the Bucks almost historically uh, terrible off a rushing offense was. Definitely looking to be more efficient there. I'm looking to be more efficient when I am bowling. And if you're going to go bowling, make sure you go to Pin Chasers. There's a variety of locations from East Pasco to Zephyr Hills, the Midtown, and Veterans. Um, the food is extremely underrated. They have great deals almost every single night from all-you-can-eat pizza to all-you-can-bowl, uh, dollar beers. If you uh, want to have your child's birthday party there, they also have an arcade area so the kids can bowl play some video games as well. While the parents hang out, there's a 
full open bar uh, with top shelf liquor, uh, beer, and wine. Please drink responsibly. And also, if you want to have a corporate event, Pin Chasers is the place to go. So go to pinchasers.net, see what deal they have in store for you, and you will not be disappointed. Once again, that is pinchasers.net. Yeah, I don't know, guys. It just feels like there is a whole new fresh breath of air now with with Canales in here, Adam, because it really felt like either it was going to be offensive coordinator or quarterback first. One of those dominoes had to fall and had to be the first one to fall. And now it's even more exciting. I know we talked about Gino and, and Matt Flynn, but now it makes it even more of reality of, oh, maybe Baker Mayfield would want to go to Tampa Bay. Maybe Canellis could attract a bigger star like Derek Carr, no rhyming intended. Uh, maybe they trust Canellis to get the best out of Kyle Trask. You know, there's a, a lot more options tonight than there was. Well, I guess at this point, the, the news had come out, but a lot more options tonight than the last, you know, 20 days beforehand. So, again, just feels a lot more exciting now. Yeah. And to Josh's point, adaptable, I think, is a key word when looking at Canales and just working under four different offensive coordinators. He's going to bring like some spice and some variety from each one of the coordinators that he's worked under from Pete Carroll and just the different coaching trees. I don't think it's a coincidence that two of the last uh, candidates that the Bucks interviewed had ties to Sean McVay and Thomas Brown and now uh, Dave Canales and just kind of the style of offense that they want to bring in. And a question to both of you is, does Canales' hire indicate that the Bucks would go towards more of a bridge quarterback option as opposed to maybe shooting for a bigger star like Derek Carr or Aaron Rodgers, because with the work that he's done with Gino, do they see maybe they're optimistic that he can work wonders with Kyle Trask? Josh, feel free to answer that first. Yeah, so I think um, I think there are a couple things. I think uh, Aaron Rodgers has gone on record, and, and the Packers have gone on record, as saying they'll facilitate a trade to a destination of his choice, and I just don't see Tampa Bay being at the top of that list. Um, especially with a, a rookie play caller. Um, and, and at this point in Rogers' career, um, Carr's got to kind of hit uh, a double here. You know, it, this has got to be a really good setup for him. Um, he's probably going to just do a one year prove it deal to get a bigger, bigger deal next year. So he's got to be really, really um, picky in the situation that he puts himself in. So I don't think either one of those quarterbacks is going to see Tampa Bay as a really great landing spot for their um, goals. So I don't see either one of them. Um, <clears throat> this is probably reading way too much into a one-year sample size, but you know, Seattle took a young quarterback that had some traits. Um, when they traded Russell Wilson away, they brought in Drew Locke, and then they let him duke it out with a kind of veteran who knew the system a little bit better or, or at least knew the culture there with Geno. Um, so for my money, I think Drew Locke's probably going to be on the Bucks roster come uh, training camp. And um, I think that you're going to see Trask versus Locke as the quarterback battle to see who starts the season. Uh, before I answer, first of all, shout out to Need for Speed. Thank you for the $1.99 Super Chat. Drinking my sparkling orange Celsius, and it's good. Love hearing that. Thank you, Need for Speed. 
I bet you're looking forward to the next uh, Fast and the Furious movie. Whenever it comes out, I imagine they'll make another one kind of soon. But to answer your question, I think this makes it a way more viable reality that Kyle Trask is your starting quarterback for the Bucks next season. Um, you can make all the arguments, and I would agree with most of them, that he was only third string. He couldn't get past Blaine Gabbard. He wasn't. He was a game day inactive all the time. He only has one career game, and it was a half, and he didn't look great in that. But maybe could you say the coaches didn't develop him enough, and maybe Canellis is the guy that's going to get the most out of Kyle Trask? Maybe that's the case. We don't necessarily know, but you have to open up door number two and three to find out, and they just kicked open one of those doors right now. And again, you know, when I think of like some of the other QB options, we talked about Jacoby Brissett and Teddy Bridgewater. Those two quarterbacks specifically, when you talk about stopgap, it's like, all right, one season and done. That's how I look at them more versus someone like Baker Mayfield, where it's like you could still revive this guy's career, kind of like how he just got out of Geno. I kind of feel like at this point, Teddy Bridgewater and Brissett are kind of over the over that hill where they could still play, but only in a backup, only in uh, a couple of starts in a row where you're really going to feel like you have a chance to win. So I, I do feel like this could be an, an opportunity for Baker – I don't even re- – I kind of want to puke if this happens live on the show. But, like, if the Jets are going to give up on Zach Wilson and you feel like you can mm. kick the tires on Zach Wilson, I I wouldn't go after it. I'm just saying if the Bucks believe in, in that type of sense, that's another way you can go. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other, like, younger quarterbacks. Drew Locke obviously falls into Jordan that category. Love. Yeah, Jordan, Jordan Love, yeah. Sure. I mean, he's extremely unproven. Um or the 49ers quarterback as well, if they want to get rid of him. Or maybe the Bears will be stupid enough to get which, rid of Justin Fields. Which young quarterback from the 49ers, though? Um, I don't know why I'm Lance thinking. or Purdy? Lance. I was going to say okay. Lance. Trade Lance. Right. So. I'd be fine um, with that. Please don't trade Brock, Brock Purdy yeah. to the box. Or if the Bears want to trade Justin Fields. I mean, sure, kick the tires on that. I'm just throwing everything into the mix. None of these are really a huge reality. I'm just, as Al Bundy says, no, please. Sorry, no yeah. Zach Wilson. I'm with you. I don't. I don't want that either. I just. It had to be said, so, uh, as Tom says, trade for Fields. Yeah, I, I know some people in the chat. They they they're going like, you know, what are you talking about, Zach Wilson? You know, you know, these are questions that we field from Bucks fans. So it's important yes. that we we address them. Just because we bring up a name doesn't mean we're advocating for the name. Right. As a matter of fact, to quote Matt just a minute ago when he brought up the name. If this happens, he would puke live on air. <laughs> but it, the news has to break live on air. Right, as well. right, right. Yeah. yeah. I got to make it a little bit, you know, tougher. You, uh, you, I, I think you can make anything live on air. If it happens, you just immediately go to Instagram, Instagram Live, and just yeah. throw up. And we'll post it to the PR channel. Yeah. Maybe uh, <laughs> next football season, we'll post some of our picks. Oh. And you can make a lot of picks on Underdog Fantasy. I know football season's done. But that's all right. Underdog Fantasy has the UFC you can make picks on. The MLB, it's spring training, like just beginning. So baseball will be back right around the corner. Base, I was about to say basketball. That's a pretty good movie. I don't, Adam, you definitely did not see it. Baseball no. Is an oh, awesome my movie. gosh. Uh, baseball, basketball, hockey, and they got golf. Tiger Woods is golfing this week. So if you want to put a little scratch on Tiger – Absolutely go for it, but it's the best way to get involved with your favorite professional sports 
Um, that's what they're pick'em games and rival games. Um, you pick at least two players from uh, opposite teams, and uh, you bet on the over or under of whatever their stats are going to be. If you want to pick rivals, you're going to say, all right, this player is going to get more than this other team because I hate this team. That's why they call it rivals. You don't have to do it out of, hey, you might just really like a pick one uh, more than the other. But use the promo code Pewter and double your first deposit with Underdog Fantasy. Even if you learn from Plant City Math, you know that that is a heck of a deal to double your first deposit up to $100. Once again, Underdog Fantasy, use that promo code Pewter. All right, before we close out the show, let's get to a couple of other comments real quick. Appreciate everybody um, in the comments. <laughs> Long Lost Glacier says, did Blaine learn nothing behind Brady for three years? Everything Everyone he learns learned in went out the window sure. when left which ones. <laughs> yeah. He'd be a great quarterback coach. I think, yeah, I think there's something to that for sure. Grace Point says, can we please bring back Brad Johnson? Brad Johnson would be a great person to bring in for training camp in a team building thing. Like, hey, watch me throw this football 100 yards through a basketball hoop and it'll set off a thing of fireworks. <laughs> He's the ultimate trick yeah. shot guy. I'm definitely down for bringing in Brad Johnson, but not as a uh, quarterback on this team. Just prior to the prior to the Cowboys game, there's a video of him. He was like, Bucks country, let's ride. And it shows yeah. him smoking a cigar. Like he... He'd be a fun personality for sure. Yeah, without question. I remember last year or like this most recent season, they brought in, he's called O's the Mentalist. And it's like one of those like, oh, picture you're going on vacation. Like who are you most excited to see? And he somehow like gets the name of like your friend or whatever. Or he got like Chris Godwin's uh, pin number on his, uh, you know, if you go to an ATM machine. So it's absolutely wild. He did. I don't know if he did every NFL team, but he did the Ravens as well. Yes. Yeah. It was, it was really like, who cool. Who are you going to name an NFC team? Uh, who do you think you're going to play in the Super Bowl? I think they put the Falcons, which is like crazy, but you know, he got it right. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty cool. Uh, Callie Buck says Brad Johnson needed to put up two or three touchdowns. He couldn't even do that at times. All right. We're not going to slander a Super Bowl winning quarterback um, anymore. Uh, does anyone have any other comments about? the latest news or anything else you really want to get into with this hiring of Dave Canellis? Um, I definitely think it's going to be interesting to see how he treats the offensive assistants who were left over. Um, you know, do they continue yeah. on as part of the, the new regime or will he, I know Scott had mentioned a few times on the, the podcast, you know, it'll be interesting, especially with the offensive line coach, a lot of offensive coordinators want to be able to pick their O-line coach. Um, and the Bucks kept Goody, and so um, it'll be interesting to see if he remains. I'm curious to see how the young wide receivers develop uh, under Canales, as when he was in, in Seattle, Doug Baldwin, who spoke on the Bucks hiring Canales mm. and saying that they're lucky to have him. Will that mean Devin Tompkins maybe takes another leap next season? Could you see a guy like Kalen Geiger, or would they even draft like a wide receiver? To develop late in uh, round six or seven, I think Scott mocked a Kansas State wide receiver in he round did. seven. Yeah, they could he had, go with... uh, Malik Knowles. He had Malik Knowles going in the seventh round. Um, yeah, I think he's can... a bigger guy, like six foot four or something like that. Yeah, it said there's some uh, Mike Evans traits 
um, to go there. But yeah, I think the name of the game for a lot of this is development. Really, how are they going to develop some of these young guys? Remember, the draft class has had some home run hits, but outside of that, it's been a lot of singles and doubles. And Scott has talked a lot about that the Bucks need to really hit a couple of homers in this year's draft, given the financial situation that they're in. I know I always feel like I just hit a home run when I have some Celsius energy drinks. I know we talked about the new flavors before. Can't forget about the vibes. The vibes are always high on the show with the Arctic peach and tropical vibes. You can also go with the uh, Fuji apple pear. You can go with um, the classic orange, sparkling wild berry, sparkling watermelon. Uh, you got some acai in there as well. And strawberry kiwi. So a ton of awesome flavors. Go to the store locator, punch in your address, find out where you can get one near you, um, of course. And if you want them in bulk, go to Amazon, click on the subscribe and save, and set up getting uh, Celsius to your apartment every week, quarterly, uh, monthly, yearly, whenever you want it. Get the variety pack, because variety is the spice of life. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast we had one more comment we're going to get to it was about um itzik the new wide receivers coach jason millwood what's the story on itzik can you talk about him we shall talk about him yeah so i mean not a lot uh it's really hard when you know with with these behind the scenes coaches or position coaches to get a ton when they're not in your market um because we don't get to see them that often so yeah but just kind of from the seahawks uh um website um, he was assistant wide receivers coach for them last year. Before that, he was a, a quality control and offense and assistant quarterbacks coach in 2021. Um, he was two seasons as assistant wide receivers coach back in 19 and 20. And before that, he was five seasons at Stanford, which has produced quite a few decent NFL players. So um, spent most of his time out on the West Coast, kind of in that Pete Carroll bubble, I'd say, yeah. between the Pac-10 and just Seattle in general. There's a little bit of a Carol bubble out there um, and now comes over here. So there's a little bit to know about it. It's all very exciting stuff. Like I said before, breath of fresh air. Um, there's a lot of what are they going to do? Who are they going to sign? Now they signed the guy. There's going to be more coaches coming in. Uh, and that will lead to kind of a, at least a direction and a narrative for free agency and the draft guys that um you know canellis and some of the other coaches will like we'll kind of learn a lot more about that um so this is going to do it for us tonight and for the week but don't you worry we're going to have a lot of great stuff coming up over the weekend and for uh, next week's shows as well i imagine we'll have a press conference with canellis coming up pretty soon um, if you're a fan of pewterreport.com please follow us on our social media at pewterreport and subscribe to our youtube channel at pewterreporttv we're actually going to have a video about learning more about Dave Canellis. That's going to be coming out um, in not too long from now. Also, we're going to have a video. It's coming out tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock on Emmanuel Forbes. He was mocked as a first-round pick in Peter Report's latest uh, Bucks mock draft. So some more content coming out, more content to come in the recent weeks. Um, but in the meantime, for Adam Slavon, for Josh Capo, I'm Matt Matera, sometimes go by Matthew Matera, saying thank you everybody for watching, and we will see you next time for another edition of the Peter Report Podcast. Have a great weekend. Peace out.